In this episode, Steve Gallucci, Global Lead of the CFO program at Deloitte, shares his view on how to build a successful transition plan as a new CFO, explains how talent is top of the agenda for many CFOs today, and emphasises why being both a strategist and a catalyst is critical for any successful finance leader. Hi, I'm Ross, and this is the CFO Playbook, where each week you'll get insights from world-class financial leaders to help you grow your company, yourself, and face the challenges required of today's CFO. So, Steve, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Steve, I'd, I'd love to start by exploring the, the CFO program that, that Deloitte has. So you're now in the 10th in the year and you're obviously the global lead for this program. Can you talk a little bit about what the program aims to achieve and also actually why you set the program up in the first place? Yeah, Ross, happy to do that. So our program, which as you indicated, is uh, over 10 years old now. It's about 11 years old. We established it really at, at a demand for really better understanding the world of the CFO on behalf of our client teams. When you take a step back and you think about an organization, one of the largest professional services organizations in the world, CFOs are, are our most critical role that we interface with in all the different offerings that we we have uh, under the various business platforms that we offer. So it was a critical need for us to better understand the world of the CFO, but more importantly, to help the CFO be successful. And and, and the easiest way to explain it is we, we aim to help CFOs in three ways. Number one, we help to uh, inform CFOs. We have a very well-established thought leadership platform. Uh, we do uh, quarterly surveys, we do a lot of research on particular topics that are of interest to CFOs, and uh, we, we present that back out to CFOs and the CFO community through various mediums, uh, whether it be the Wall Street Journal or various other subscription services, to help inform them on key areas of interest for them. So that the informed piece is very, very, very critical to what we do. We also do is we, we, we try to connect and convene CFOs. Uh, we do this across many, many different forums, small groups, larger groups. Uh, we have one big annual conference. Uh, and what we hear time and again, and I suspect you hear from, from the folks that you interface with in the CFO community, is there is an insatiable desire for CFOs to talk to other CFOs. It's been said that the role of CFO, like CEO, like any, any C-suite role, can be a very lonely role. So CFOs are, are always interested in understanding uh, what their peer groups are, are thinking about, topics of interest. Uh, and that peer could be someone in, in their, their relevant industry or sector, uh, or a peer of a company of their size and maturity, if you will. And then the last piece of what we aim to achieve with our program with our CFOs is to help them develop, talking about the, the journey that the CFO goes through in his or her career arc. That's an important part to us. We have a number of programs where we work with CFOs, particularly intensely prior to them becoming a CFO, through things uh, like what we call our CFO Academy, where we bring a cohort of 30 to 40 aspiring CFOs into a uh, three to four day academy. Uh, where we talk about topics that uh, will be important for them as they contemplate taking on the role of CFO or being asked to take on the role of CFO. We also have another offering, which we call a transition lab, where we will bring a CFO into a lab for a full day uh, with a lot of work beforehand to help them uh, articulate their own transition plan for their first year. 
So that critical juncture before a CFO is taking taking the role, and then as they're taking the role, is is an area that we focus a lot of our effort on uh, to, to give you a scale around transitions for CFOs. In the United States, we'll do between 80 and 100 CFO transition labs a year. Uh, these are clients that are uh, typically uh, focused in the Fortune 500. We've been doing that for as long as we've had this program. So we've done thousands of these uh, across the globe over the last uh, 10 to 12 years. So inform, connect, and develop are really the three objectives of what we're trying to do with our program. And we do this through a series of what we call offerings that underlie and in some cases traverse all three of those objectives. It's pretty comprehensive, the, the what you're offering there. Did it start off with that full vision or actually has it evolved into that from a very different place? It's evolved. We, we, we came to that vision over time. The original piece uh, of where we started was really in that develop pillar uh, through what, the transition labs. That was really the first thing that we started doing with, with chief financial officers in helping them in that critical transition juncture. Primarily because what we found in the research that we've done around successful transitions is, is that the data would indicate that many, many CFOs don't transition well into their role. And, and maybe to unpack that a little bit, what we do in that, in that transition lab uh, is, is we explore three facets of how a CFO spends their time, how they manage their team, and what key relationships do they build across the enterprise to be successful, both inside and out. Uh, and we'll explore those. And then the output of that is, is again, a very, very detailed transition plan uh, that they will walk away with from that perspective. But back to your original question, Ross, as we built off of these, these three pillars, uh, we expanded them. To give you an example, uh, during the pandemic, what we saw uh, was, was really two things. Number one, what CFOs were being asked to deliver on has changed and changed rapidly. And then how we were, were interacting with CFOs uh, was also changing. So we, like everybody else, moved many, many of our interactions to a virtual platform. But we also uh, recognized that there was an, a need to take certain things that we were doing and expand on them. So an example of that I alluded to uh, earlier, uh, we do a quarterly uh, CFO signal survey where uh, we will go out to the CFOs primarily uh, $10 billion companies and plus, and get their perspectives on a quarterly basis on things like how do they feel about their own company prospects? How do they feel about the broader economy? And then we'll dive into some specific special topics. This last uh, CFO signal survey, our fourth quarter 2021 survey, we asked about uh, a number of topics as it relates to C-suite relationships. Before that, we asked about things like M&A and supply chain, things that are important. Uh, and what we've tried to do with, with the data that we've taken in uh, is deliver it back uh, with some insight to the CFO community. And uh, just this last year, we established a quarterly webcast, which we call CFO Foresight, where uh, we will spend some time building on the main themes that come out of the quarterly report uh, and also interviewing a, a CFO peer of theirs. What I find also fascinating about when you describe the program is that you started off by saying, of course, all of that stuff is what you're offering to CFOs. They're incredible services and, and support that they can take part in. But you also wanted to educate in a way yourselves by setting up this program. And so that requires a huge degree of humility to say CFOs are our main client. Maybe we don't know or understand them well enough. So actually we need to reconnect. So was there was there like an insight there or, or like a moment that made people in, in Deloitte, uh, as you said, one of the biggest, most successful advisory firms in the world, recognize that actually they need to reconnect with their customer? 
But I, I don't think there was a, any seminal moment where we, we, we felt like we were getting too far away from our customer. We've been laser focused on, on, on what the needs of our clients are and were for, for many, many years. It's, it's allowed us to be as successful as we were. I think what we recognize in, in establishing our program, and, and by the way, we, we have a number of different role-based programs of what we call them uh, within our firm that are focused on the chief strategy officer, the chief executive officer, and whatnot. But what we recognized is that we had a unique asset at our disposal, which is the relationships that we had with, with the CFO community. Maybe you need to hone specifically into, into your question, but what we frequently provocate is that uh, we are constantly uh, asking CFOs, what are their most pressing issues? As we pull that information in together and look at it across domains, that becomes the topics that we focus on, that we, we, we will put back out to the CFO community uh, as, as the CFO agenda, which can include topics like the future of work. Clearly, talent is a topic that we hear about very, very consistently. You know, what is the role of finance in driving business value creation? How are CFOs working on understanding, you know, how do they define, you know, their company's purpose? How does that create value? And then what are what are they being asked by their stakeholders, investors, lenders, uh, their own employees, regulators, et cetera? So those are examples of, of what's on today's CFO agenda that we really focus a lot of our effort on in terms of our eminence creation, uh, in terms of questions and data that we seek from, from CFOs. And you alluded to there, one of the top topics from the, your recent CFO signals was around labor and, and like talent, effectively, the recruitment of talent, new talent, and then the retention of existing talent. That came alongside growth and financial performance. I can't imagine any CFO survey that didn't have growth and financial performance near the top of the list. So that would be an ever-present. But even the, the emergence of talent is a really interesting one. So like, what, how has that emerged in conversations that you've seen with your clients? Yeah, it's it's certainly an interesting. I mean, clearly, uh, well, the topics that that we're all hearing and reading about uh, around the Great Resignation uh, that are that are affecting the labor force, labor participation is another area that that clearly we are seeing data that is creating a number of dynamics uh, around that. So, so the CFOs are no different than everybody else across their C-suite across their enterprise in working through what are the, the dynamics around today's workforce and how it's developed in the future and what has been the impacts of the pandemic on, on workforce, if you will. The future of work, which is a topic we have a significant established point of view on and, and published, but many others do, uh, is not something that came with the onset of the pandemic, but it's something that that has been expedited. Like many things around the pandemic, uh, what what we've seen is that it's it's expedited trends that were there, uh, and instead of getting there in five years, CFOs are indicating that they're getting there in in, in sometimes five months, depending on on the domain you're talking about. But specific to to CFOs in the finance community, uh, what we're hearing are a number of things uh, in no particular importance because they're all important. Firstly, uh, there, there is a huge desire on the part of CFOs to think about the capabilities that exist within their current finance, finance organization. And are those the types of capabilities that are going to meet their needs in the future? When you think about finance organizations historically, no pun intended, finance organizations were built with capabilities to be able to deliver reports on time, make sure filings were timely, reports were accurate, that the analysis of, of historical perspectives uh, and historical results were codified uh, and made its way into reports, whether it be internal reports, management reporting, 
or externally if a public company into into a 10K or a 10Q. What finance organizations are are now being asked to do is be much more agile, be focused on on helping their business leaders with decision support. That takes a different set of skills. It takes a a much more significant reliance on technology. The CFOs are, are spending a good amount of time thinking about the capabilities that they have within their finance organization, and is that are those the capabilities that they need to be able to serve their mission going forward? The other aspect of talent that finance CFOs are dealing with again, this is this is an area that is is not just germane to finance, but is thinking about the future of work, the workforce, and the workplace. You know, as we've gone through this experiment of can we work virtually. I think we've all surprised ourselves around the ability to get things done in a, in a remote setting. That presents certainly a set of challenges in terms of how do finance organizations, organizations in general, continue to build culture if you have a distributed workforce. But it all presents a lot of opportunities to be able to look and see, well, if I have an opportunity to be able to have a little more distributed workforce, are there opportunities to, to add skill sets from a, from a broader sourcing, can I build uh, you know a, a more diverse set of capabilities uh, and from diverse backgrounds without having to have people co-located in the same in the same location? So, so again, I, I think there are a number of opportunities uh, as well as challenges that uh, we're hearing from the CFO community. Clearly, this is all moving very very fast. So when we do ask about internal and ex- external risks that CFOs are grappling with, clearly talent and labor are, are some of the areas that we hear. Uh, when we ask about, on a quarterly basis, we ask CFOs to give us their perspectives in terms of a number of different metrics, certainly around their own operations, uh, revenue growth, cost growth, et cetera. Uh, we also ask about expenses uh, and hiring and the like. And what we've seen over the last couple of quarters, and I think you've seen this data, Ross, uh, is that CFOs, when they look at, they expect you know, they're hiring to increase. That, that I think speaks in, in part to the turnover. That speaks in part to the capabilities they're trying to build. But they also see costs associated with talent going up uh, in their knowledge worker sector, uh, as well as their production areas too. I mean, it's such a fascinating area, the point on talent, because it's so widespread, it's international. And as you said, that the trends were already there, but in many ways, the pandemic just acted as a, an incredible catalyst for those trends. I think Satya Nadella probably coined the best quote around this, which was he said that we saw two years digital transformation in two months in the early stages of the pandemic. And that was in, in reference to the technology, but it's also in reference to the way people work as well. So, so one of the, the themes that is recurring on, the, on this podcast when we have CFOs on as guests is that the, the demands on CFOs have changed. Also, the actual availability of different technologies and tools has, has actually changed. And there's there's a degree of automation that's that's going into the world of you know GNA that went into sales, marketing, engineering, these other functions long ago. And so there's this tool set and a bunch of services that are available to them. But on top of that, that's, that means that sometimes they either need to retrain their people or they need different skills. And so I was wondering if that's something that you had seen, like even when you talk about the, those transition labs, which I'd love to get into in a second, are CFOs, as, as you can see it, reshaping their teams like in a different way to what they would have done historically? 
There's no question that they are. Some of that, a lot of that, I should say, uh, is intertwined to a broader finance transformation vision, which is also in many cases tied to a broader uh, enterprise transformation program, if you will. So we clearly are seeing CFOs rethink about how they organize their own teams, what capabilities exist within their teams. There is a constant uh, demand on the part of business unit leadership to have information that is faster to them, is uh, available to them on a real-time basis. So you're you're finding a lot of finance organizations that are making significant investments in technology, particularly thinking about, you know, how how do they take the data that they have and make it more usable to business leadership. There there clearly has been uh, finance organizations that are making investments to be able to do the basic blocking and tackling that they are required to do around closing books and delivering reports, but do that faster. Uh, again, that has a technology solution to it. So I think in general, what we're what, what CFOs are, are, are thinking about from a talent perspective, they want capabilities within their organization that has tech fluency. Well, it's not to, to diminish the importance of, of technical ability and understanding things like treasury and accounting and taxation. Those things are certainly going to continue to be required, but they, that needs to be augmented and enabled uh, with capabilities around tech fluency. Uh, underlying attribute that they want out of their finance teams is is agility. They, they need people to be able to understand uh, all aspects or multiple aspects of, of a finance domain, not just one particular siloed area. And it's also created some challenges with respect to how CFOs manage their group. We've written a bunch and I've spoken in, in, around the importance of empathy for CFOs to have, to be that empathetic leader and understand, you know, some of the challenges that they have as an organization, but how does their work, what, what challenges do their workforce have? How do they create career growth and career trajectory growth, be able to, to give people the opportunities to continue to grow from that perspective? And when it comes to technology, so obviously the majority of the CFOs, certainly for some of your your, uh, insights and surveys, are from very large companies, you know, like often global. And as you said, 10 10 billion. Is it 10 billion, presumably, is it in sales or market cap? It's typically 10 billion in sales. Uh, Yes. So I would say, just to give you more specifics on that, so 25% of the CFOs that respond to our survey, and we'll typically get anywhere between 100 and 150 uh, CFOs that respond, 25% represent companies of $10 billion plus, and then 75% are $1 billion plus. So I, I may have spoke, misspoke before, so it's, uh, it's not mostly $10 billion, but it's, it's the, the three out of four represent $1 billion plus, but a good, good segment represent $10 billion plus. But even one billion dollar plus is still yeah, a big company. Exactly. Like a lot, a lot of the guests that we've had on are like seasoned CFOs that are building the aspirational companies that want to be one billion dollar plus in, in revenue or in sales. So we've got a lot of the people who are in what you would call scale ups, uh, and so I think in in that context. So there's two things I think are interesting. One is that technology and and automation is playing an even bigger role because they're seeing that as a way for them to scale up faster. But a lot of them are trying to prepare for scale. So they're thinking to themselves now, if I'm at, I don't know, 50 million ARR or 100 million ARR, what will I need when I get to half a billion or a billion ARR um, if they're a technology company, say? From your perspective and what you've seen with your clients, what are the, the, the kind of underlying technology platforms and so on, or at least capabilities that CFOs are putting in place to run businesses of that scale? Yeah, I think there's clearly been a move to cloud-based platforms, and particularly as as CFOs are thinking about technologies that are important, uh, not only just 
clearly cloud-based platforms to, to make sure that they're taking advantage of the, of the most most recent technology and, and the, the elements of it. But there's also been a, a real focus on what's what's referred to as edge technologies. You know, what are the what are those technologies that are going to require not just to do things faster, but the tools that enable and enable them to do more analysis of of, of their data. Uh, and that kind of gets into the broader area of managing data and improving the consistency and the quality. Uh, of that valuable asset. I think what, what you're seeing a, a major focus on on CFOs and being asked to do is is understand what you know, what what is your data strategy and, and how are you making making investments in technologies and capabilities to be able to take that data uh, and turn it into valuable insights for, for decision support with the ultimate goal of creating you know more value across your enterprise. You know those are the types of investments that we're typically seeing. We wrote a piece uh, say a year and a half ago now uh, around understanding the future of, of FP&A. I think one of the things that the, the pandemic has clearly showed is that traditional FP&A processes around taking internal trends and extrapolating them out over time got upended. And I think it was a quote, uh, I think it's attributed to Mike Tyson, who had said that you know everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. Well, in March and April of 2020, we all got punched in the face, particularly CFOs, uh, we really had to struggle. And, and, and the forecasts that they had going forward uh, had to be revisited, uh, but it also underlined that, 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 that in relying on, on internal data, uh, it's probably not the best way to predict what's going to happen in a, in, a, in a very, very dynamic environment. I think what we've seen over the last two years is that particularly driven by the pandemic and then the downstream effects of supply chain and now inflation and whatnot, and the talent is that things are changing very, very rapidly. We've, I think we've mentioned it a number of times here. Well, that's going to impact both your, you know, your bottom and your top line, your production processes. So being much more tuned into the dynamics that are driving value and driving risk within your business is something that CFOs are spending a lot more time on. And, and, and in, in turn, you know, we're having a lot more conversations around that. Moving on from technology, and I wanted to actually touch on the transition labs that you mentioned there, because again, you and I think it's actually fascinating that you're working with aspiring CFOs, maybe just that one step before they actually move into position. And again, they're moving in in very large companies, so presumably they're extremely tenured, very experienced um, already. But again, for many people that might be listening that are either aspiring CFOs or new CFOs, they might be shaping their own transition plan, their own 90-day or 180-day plan, however long you want it to bake but I was wondering from those labs would you be able to give some insights about what a, a great transition plan looks like and what what are the components that CFOs new CFOs should have in that when we get a CFO into a lab uh, we'll take them through a, a process of really kind of breaking down w- what do they see as their their key priorities uh, across the entire domain of a CFO's role we have a framework that we call what we, we call the four faces of the CFO which includes being a strategist, a catalyst, an operator, and a steward. Uh, and you think about the operator steward, that's the historical view, if you will, uh, of what a CFO has to deliver on. The strategist catalyst is, are the areas that, that really drive business performance. Not coincidentally, what we're seeing in terms of when companies are seeking to replace their CFO or move to a new CFO, the traditional uh, background of those taking CFO roles were those that would be more of the of the operator steward. What we're seeing now is much more background around, uh, say, investment banking, business unit leadership, 
uh, because CFOs don't want uh, their their CFO just to really be the operator and steward. They want their CFO to be the strategist and catalyst. So back to your question, what we'll typically find is as we ask CFOs to define uh, what's what are their key priorities, uh, we're seeing many more of the priorities geared towards that strategist catalyst role. So, so that's that's number one. Number two, we, we feel it's really, really important as CFOs define what those priorities are to understand what capabilities exist within their organization to help them deliver on those. Uh, and that's where you get into a really deep discussion around their team and their capabilities and their, and their, and their talent. The last element that we'll, we, we will focus a, a lot of discussion on is, you know, what are the key relationships CFOs need to have across their, their enterprise? And as a matter of fact, we, we, we asked uh, in our most recent CFO survey, I think you may have seen this, what, what roles are most important to your success as CFO? And overwhelmingly, the top two were, not surprisingly, CEO, him or herself, uh, but also business unit leadership was right under there. CFOs for their success to be tied to making sure that they uh, are aligned with business unit leadership. So, so those are the types of things that typically come out of our transition labs. And then what we, we produce is, uh, and I think you mentioned this earlier on, a very tactical timeline of, of here, are your, here are your priorities here are your key key people that are going to help you with that. Here are some of the things that you need to you need to address as it relates to gaps in your team, and then here are some of the relationships you, you need to make make sure that you are cultivating if you don't have them already to make sure that they are at the level uh, that uh, is going to enable you to be successful across those priorities. And what we've heard actually from from guests on the show completely echoes that. There many have said that they they worked with the same CEO in different companies as a, almost as a tag team. Uh, and they've repeated that again and again because they were such a, a strong pairing. Some of actually, move, have, you've seen them move in and out of CFO positions into like a managing director position or COO position and back again. And then others, of course, are the phrase that often comes up is like a business partner. They're more of a business partner than as you would describe it, an operator and a steward. So you can see those themes come up like in, in the majority of the guests that we've had on the show. Yeah, no question about that. And so then with that in mind, so only some people who work in corporate finance will have come from an investment banking background. Many will have gone through another route. So would, would you have any tips or recommendations for, for people who are listening about how to build their own skill set um, around that strategist and catalyst categories? Yeah, that's a good question. It's one that comes up a lot, particularly as it relates to our, uh, and I referred to this earlier, uh, in our discussions with aspiring CFOs uh, in some of the programs that we have, including our CFO Academy. When we reflect on folks that have taken on CFO roles, what we have, have seen be successful is that aspiring CFOs have sought out stretch assignments, have sought out opportunities to move out of their specific domain. Some of this is purposeful, uh, where organizations have recognized that somebody would be a prime candidate to be a, a successor to their current CFO. Uh, and some of this has been the, as a result of a CFO leaning in in terms of their own, own development. In the, in the model, the first model where a CFO, excuse me, an organization has purposefully tried to broaden a, a, a potential candidate's experience, one area that we've, we've seen a, a lot of examples is, you know, many companies have initiated an office of transformation or a transformation program, if you will. That is an area that, that we've seen a number of CFO successors come from, where someone may have been the, the controller 
perhaps the director of FP&A, maybe they were a business unit CFO, uh, but putting them into either leading a transformation or a significant part of an overall business uh, process transformation uh, has been an amazing experience for CFOs or, or would-be CFOs that are about to take on that role. We've also seen CFOs get uh, significantly uh, involved. It's not anything new, but in terms of experience in, in uh, corporate development and understanding, you know, what is the the company's M&A strategy uh, and how, do, how are deals being uh, evaluated, integrated, uh, and then post-deal evaluation, tying that back to, you know, value creation. So under, understanding that aspect, um, you know, maybe just to lean on that a little bit, uh, what we've seen, M&A continues to be a very, very significant part of company's growth strategy. Uh, in, in our third quarter CFO signal survey, we asked uh, CFOs, um, you know, what, what portion of their growth will come from M&A. And uh, they have a very high percentage. I need, I need to look at it. But I thought it was, it was upwards of two-thirds of CFOs indicated that at least 10% of their growth would come from M&A over the next three three years. And 25% said it would be almost almost 20%. Uh, so and you're seeing that play out. Uh, there, you know, M&A activity in 2021. I think uh, I saw an article recently was was as high as we've seen it in in, in any recent year. Uh, and I think that speaks to how things are changing in, in, a, in a much more rapid way. Companies are looking to build capabilities in certain cases and certainly to plug holes. Uh, in their own product supply, uh, sometimes it's supply chain driven. So, so M and A will continue to be a big, big part of uh, of the future CFO's responsibility and understanding the dynamics of M and A will be important. So, that's another area where we've seen CFOs uh, garner the requisite experience to be able to be successful in their roles. And as we sit here, you know, we're early in the new year, and of course, many have made their prediction for the year ahead. Um, so I won't, I won't laden you with that. But maybe what I would love to know is, like, from your program, like Deloitte CFO program, what are the priorities for you in the year ahead, and and like, why did you choose those, and and the relevance for CFOs that you're trying to engage with? Yeah, I think we've touched on a lot of those already, Ross, but maybe I'll, I'll, I'll touch on them again. Clearly, talent and the future of work is a major priority that we're continuing to do a lot of research on. It's a big, big part of our, of our transition programs, uh, as well as our other uh, other research that we do. So, so we'll continue to focus significantly on that and the future of work. Clearly, the focus on purpose and the broader ESG component you know, is an area that is more and more we're seeing CFOs being put in the center of, of that need. And, and, and that need is coming from multiple stakeholders. It's certainly coming from regulators. It's coming from uh, employees. Uh, it's coming from customers. And, and understanding what is your broader ESG strategy uh, and how are you implementing that, not, not, not in terms of reporting out against certain social commitments that you may have had, but building that back into your processes. So the broader purpose, regulation, geo- geopolitical challenges that CFOs are dealing with are, are, are an area that that uh, we see as a priority and we'll continue to do that. I've mentioned data, uh, managing data, improving the consistency of data. That's an area that I think we're just beginning to scratch the surface on. There are some companies that do it very, very well. I think the majority of companies are still struggling in this area. Uh, the companies that typically do it well are, are the companies where data is their, is their model, if you will. So that you think about the big technology companies, the FANG companies as they're referred to. But the broader aspect, uh, when we look across, there, there continues to be a lot of opportunity, but a lot of challenges. So, so managing data and and understanding a company's data strategy is something that's really, really important from that perspective. 
I think those are the key areas that we see as being top of mind for the CFO agenda, and then we'll continue to focus a lot of our effort on. With that, actually, I think, Steve, it's a, it's a packed agenda for the year ahead. Hopefully the, the pandemic will ease somewhat, especially for the connect piece, the connect and convene. I don't think we've quite mastered the the element of networking uh, over a drink on Zoom uh, <laughs> compared, to, compared to doing that in person. Uh, I would agree. And it's an incredible program. It's really impressive. In particular, I like the the four dimensions that you had for for the transition where you were speaking about the the capabilities a CFO needs, and you were talking about stewardship and operator being where they've come from traditionally, and the and the strategist and and catalyst yes. being where they're going. It's put a framework around a lot of conversations that we've had, and and a lot what a lot of our guests have mentioned. So with that, Steve, I'd like to thank you for joining us on the podcast today. It's been, it's been brilliant to hear your insights. Well, super, Ross. I appreciate it. Great to get to know you. And hopefully you found this of uh, interest. And more importantly, hopefully your your listeners will find find uh, what I've talked about of interest to them. And Steve, if our listeners are looking to connect, find out more about your programs or anything like that afterwards, where's the best place for them to do that? You know, if, if you just simply go to Deloitte.com, uh, you can search within there for our CFO program or just CFO, you'll find a lot about our program. I have a public platform on on, on both Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, people can read about my background and some of the things that I post. Uh, also, uh, you know, some of the platforms that where we put a lot of our thinking, the Wall Street Journal uh, has a um, what's called a CFO journal, and uh, we are the exclusive content sponsor uh, to that. So uh, if if you pull up the Wall Street Journal uh, page or if you're a subscriber, you'll see uh, our content that gets cycled in there too. So there are a number of ways that you can find out some of our thinking. Uh, we'll also publish our quarterly findings as it relates to our survey on those platforms. So that's a great way to get a lot of the content that we're producing. And that can, that can get added to the 2022 reading list for all the CFOs that are listening. Exactly. In. Well, hopefully, hopefully it's on there already, but if it's not, it should be. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Thank you so much, Steve. Okay, Ross. Have a great day. One last thing. If you have a question you'd love to ask a guest, visit cfoplaybook.fm and submit your question there. This show is brought to you by Soldo, the brighter way to manage business spending and expenses. With Soldo, you can control every expense, track spend in real time, automate financial reporting, and then use those insights to fuel growth. Learn more at soldo.com.